0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: We are in the middle of chapter 44, page 661. And we were learning about the two loves for Hashem. One, we love Hashem because Hashem is my father. Hashem is, we are his children. And the other love is, we love Hashem because Hashem is my soul. And he says that these two loves are natural loves. Every Jew is born with these two loves. It's innate, it's inherent. Because innately, naturally, we feel like a child feels towards his parents. Our relationship to Hashem is like a parent-child relationship. And naturally and instinctively, we feel that Hashem is our soul, is my soul, is my life, is my energy, is my soul. But nevertheless, he says that since in order to be able to feel these loves, to reveal these loves, it's only through meditation, contemplation. Therefore, when you do meditate and you reflect and you contemplate, and as a result of your deep concentration, you evoke this feeling of Hashem is my parent, Hashem is my father, and you have this feeling that Hashem is my soul, then this energy this love elevates the mitzvah to the world of Bria, the world of creation, which is the world of intellect. Although we learned earlier that a mitzvah that's done with a natural love, an instinctive love, only elevates the mitzvah, has the ability to elevate the mitzvah only to the world of formation, which is the world of emotion, which is dominated by the angels which are called the animals because their love for Hashem is natural and instinctive so too when a Jew just serves Hashem and his motivation is the natural love that that he has towards Hashem then the mitzvot are only elevated to the world of formation the world of love, of emotions it's only when you serve Hashem based on a deep intellectual comprehension and a profound understanding and a fundamental understanding of godliness. It's only then that your Torah mitzvah, that energy elevates the Torah mitzvah to the world of creation, the world of intellect. But nevertheless, he says here that when a Jew develops a full blown love, because God is my Father, and you feel it, and when you feel the love that God is my soul, and just like you yearn for your soul, you yearn for your energy, so too you learn, yearn for God. When, and that motivates you to do Torah and to do mitzvot. So that Torah, that mitzvot that you do, that's motivated by these two loves, is elevate, also elevated to the world of creation. The world of comprehension. Why? Since these two loves are basically natural loves... Didn't we learn earlier that naturally your love could only be elevated to the world of formation, the lower world? Why are the mitzvot that are motivated by these two loves, why do they elevate the mitzvot that they soar to the world of creation? And And he explains it's because, yes, it's true, these two loves are natural and instinctive. But in order to reveal these two loves, you have to have a very powerful, profound intellectual insight, comprehensive understanding, deep focus and concentration. So therefore, it's the mind that evokes this love and reveals it to the heart. So if your heart is on fire, it's a result of the mind. The mind awakened and aroused this love, these two loves. Therefore, since it's the mind that awakens these loves until it becomes a burning love in your heart, therefore the energy that this provides, provides enough energy to fuel the, the mitzvah, that the mitzvah can reach and soar all the way to the world of creation, which is the world, the higher world, the world of intellect.
2: The set two categories of love, that and my soul love that a Jew feels for Hashem upon realizing that He is His true life, and that which is like a son loving Hashem as one's true father, though they are an inheritance unto us from our patriarchs, and like a natural instinct in our souls, and so, and so too as a natural instinct is the fear that is comprised in them, namely the fear of being sundered. HaShem forbid from the source of our life and our true Father, blessed be He. When one feels that HaShem is the true source of his life, he fear to transgress, so as not to become separated from his source of life. The feeling of HaShem being one's true Father will likewise keep him from sinning, since he does not want to be torn away from his Father. Although both of the, the above-mentioned degrees of love and fear are instinctively found within Jews. They are nevertheless not termed natural fear and love unless they be in the mind and thought alone and in the latency of the heart. Then their place is in the tenth spirit of Yetzirah, the place and level of the natural emotions, whither they raise up with them the Torah and mitzvah of which they have been the inspiration and cause. These levels of love are the cause of the performance of one's Torah and Mitzvah, or they result from the portrayal of this love in his mind. But when they, the two degrees of love, are in a manifest state in the heart as a result of his contemplation, they are called in the Zohar, Ruta Diniba, the heart's desire and more exalted love than natural love. And their place is in the tenth Zephira of Bria, where they raise up with them the Torah and Mitzvah of which they have been the cause, which have been performed with the ardor of this love. The reason this is indeed so, notwithstanding the fact that they are naturally found with the soul of every Jew, is now given. For their emergence from the latency and con- from the latency and concealment of the heart into a state of revelation comes through the faculty of that. though a powerful fixation of the mind and an intense concentration from the depths of the heart, powerfully and frequently, on the blessed Ein Sof as to how He is our very life and our blessed True Father, and since His contemplation is so powerful and deep,
1: he says, if the love that you develop, this love that Hashem is my Father, or that Hashem is my soul, remains in thought, it's only an awareness, but you don't feel a full-fledged emotion, then the energy, the energy that you do the mitzvah could only elevate the mitzvah to the world of formation. But if as a result of your contemplation and your meditation, your reflection, you develop a full, burning, fiery love to Hashem, you feel that Hashem is my Father and it burns in your heart, and you feel that Hashem is my soul, then, because it came as a result of your contemplation, therefore, there's a powerful energy, there's a very intense energy, and that elevates the mitzvot to the higher world, to the world of... Of creation. Like we learned earlier, mitzvot need energy in order to rise. Everything in life needs energy in order to achieve motion. Mitzvot are very physical. Mitzvot are very, the physical is, doesn't have too much life. So if you just do the mitzvah, there's no energy, there's no soul, there's no love, there's no feeling, there's no energy to the mitzvah. The mitzvah is flat, it remains stationary, it doesn't move. Not It ele- doesn't soar. You need energy in order to fly, in order to soar. You need energy to push it up. You need something spiritual. You need soul. You need love. You need feeling, motivation. What's behind the mitzvah? What's the energy that's pushing you to do the mitzvah? What's motivating you to do the mitzvah? So if you're motivated because God is my Father and you feel that love and you feel that relationship, you feel that connection, that causes the mitzvah to soar. It elevates the mitzvah. It's the spiritual and it elevates the mitzvah to the heavens, to the spiritual realms. But it depends how much energy you put into. That's how high, how far-reaching the mitzvah are elevated to. If it's just a natural instinctive love, that's limited. Therefore, the energy is limited and therefore it elevates the mitzvah only to the world of formation. If it's a much deeper love, a fundamental understanding, a profound comprehension, a deep penetrating understanding and an intense focus and concentration... Then that's enough energy, that provides enough energy to elevate the mitzvah to a higher world. So, even though these loves are inherently natural and instinctive, but nevertheless, if, if you deeply meditate on, on these loves until you actually you feel this love in your heart, it's, it's a fiery love. It's not just an awareness, a consciousness, it's, it's, it's a love and energy in your heart then, since this energy in the heart comes as a result, not of the natural instinct, because the natural instinct was buried and hidden. It's only because you really meditated and reflected on it until it became crystal clear to you how God is my Father and our relationship, a parent-child relationship, and it became crystal clear to you that God is my soul. Just like the body has a soul, the soul also has a soul, and God is my soul, the divine, and that's my energy, and that's my soul, and that's what I yearn for, and that's what I seek, and that's what I can get enough of. I want energy and I want to be energized and I want to feel vital and vibrant. And the only way to do that is by touching the divine, by studying Torah, doing mitzvot. If you really feel that in your heart and you're on fire, but it, since it's a result of your contemplation and it engaged your mind, therefore, the energy is enough, it causes the mitzvah to soar to a much higher level, a much deeper level, the world of formation, of, of creation. <coughs>
3: what is written in the Tikkunim is well known that there in the world of the Riach nests supernal mother, which means the level of Bina of Absolute which in terms of man's spiritual service is the contemplation of the infinite light of the blessed the blessed Himself, the giver of life blessed be he and this is in accordance with the teaching of Riach. In Sohar, in the section beginning Eliyahu, Bina is the heart, and with it, the heart understands.
1: What does it mean? Bina is in the heart. Bina is in the mind. No. The left mind, Chachma, Bina, Das. is the mind. What do you mean? The heart? Bina Liba, because it means when you understand something very well and you understand it very thoroughly, and you have a deep understanding, it will reach the heart. That's what causes it to reach the heart. If it's just abstract, you can't really reach the heart. It's only when you really comprehend it and all its details, comprehensively, very fundamentally and very deeply, then you can reach into the heart. So it's when the bina reaches the liba, when the the mind reaches the heart, And then the heart understands, then that's the world of Bria. That it's such a deep understanding, such a profound understanding that it reaches the heart until the heart is on fire. This is a real emotion, an emotion that is based on intellect. This is a real emotion. Otherwise, emotions are come and go. You know, it's like they fade away, they come in, they go it's not real emotion so real emotion is an emotion that's based on a profound understanding then the emotion is steady, when the emotion is guided by the mind and the mind has such clarity it's so crystal clear to the mind until it affects the emotion and then the emotion is guided and channeled, this powerful energy which is the emotion is guided and channeled by the mind then you have a solid a solid emotion. Otherwise, emotions can be very flaky. Changes by the minute, changes by the moment. You don't know where you stand. It comes today, gone tomorrow. That's not a real emotion. A real genuine emotion has to be based on a real profound understanding when you understand very deeply how God is my father and we have this parent-child relationship. And you understand very deeply that God is my soul and God is my energy and and I yearn for energy and you really understand it very deeply then your heart is moved then you can create an emotion a stable emotion a profound emotion a emotion that you can build your life on and an emotion that will infuse all your thought and speech and action with that energy with that love with that fiery passion with that excitement with that thrill so then the mitzvot are infused with this energy
3: since the contemplation of godliness is related to the world of Berya, the world which is illuminated by Bina of absolute, it follows that the various forms of love which are revealed through contemplation have their place in that world as well, and it is there that they elevates one's Torah and one's Now,
1: Altar said earlier, that these two loves, these particular loves, the love of God, because God is my Father, and we are His children, and the love of Hashem, because Hashem is my energy and my life and my soul, these two loves are a combination of Ava Rabba and Avas Elo, the great love, the transcendent love, a love that comes from above, the love of ecstasy that he described earlier. But they have, that he described in the previous chapter, so too, these two loves also have that quality. Because these two loves are divine. We're born with it. It comes from Hashem. We don't have to create these loves, we were born with it we're Jewish, we have a Jewish soul, and we naturally, instinctively have this feeling towards Hashem, like a parent-child relationship. We naturally and instinctively feel, God is my soul, God is not religion. To a Jew, God is not religion. God is my life, 24-7. There isn't a single aspect of my life that's not permeated with Godliness. That's how we feel, with every fiber of our being and every bone in our body, deep down. But it's buried, it's hidden. In order to reveal it, you have to contemplate, you have to meditate, you have to think about it, you have to reflect. Or at least on the most superficial level, by repeating it in the prayer, saying, Avinu, God is my Father, and saying it and repeating it, and again and again and again, the voice, hearing yourself say it, evokes the intent, and evokes, stirs something up inside of you. So, so therefore these loves have the advantage of the combination on one hand, it's from above. It comes from above. It's a natural, instinctive love that we're born with. On the other hand, all Jews are equal. We all have this love equally. But on the other hand, we have to reveal it through our intellect. Since we have to reveal it through our intellect, therefore it has to engage our mind, and therefore every one of us is different. Because we think differently, and therefore every one of us will reveal this love. So we have the advantage of Ava who but we also have the advantage of Ava which is, a, which is a love that comes from, from the intellect, it comes from our grasping the world, understanding the world, seeing how infinitely vast the world is, seeing Hashem's greatness from the world, appreciating Hashem's greatness. When you see a great king, you see what a mighty empire he has. The more you contemplate the empire, you say, Wow, what a great king that one king can run such a mighty empire. So the more you understand the empire, the more you grasp the complexity. Of his empire, the more you appreciate the greatness of the king. So too, the more you understand the complexity of the universe, the infinite complexity of the universe, the more you can grasp the world. The more it points its finger to the greatness of Hashem. Look how great Hashem is that He created such a vast, infinitely complex universe, and is one Creator, one Source. So that's avos Olam. This is a love that comes from our understanding, our comprehension, our. And, but these two loves combine both qualities. On one hand, they're a gift from Hashem, and all Jews are equal. On the other hand, they're only revealed through our reflection and meditation. So we have to engage our mind. And therefore, it's a, a love that comes from below and above, simultaneously. So that's why he's saying, since this love, he's going to say right now, since this love... Ultimately, these two loves, that God is my parent and that God is my life, since these two loves come from above, they're natural and instinctive, so in a true sense, they actually come from the world of emanation. They're divine. It reaches even higher than the world of creation. The world of creation is the first world, the first opportunity for for existence. The world of the angels are like swallowed up in the source, constantly connected to the source, like a fish in water, senses its source, can't survive a moment without its source. So when a person, these angels have a a person or human being or these angels who have these massive intellects and have such a profound understanding of Hashem, that Hashem is their life and Hashem is their source and And therefore, they're not really separate from Hashem. They're connected to Hashem. It's a holy world. But it's a world. It's separate from Hashem. So they're they're immersed within their source, but they're still a separate entity from their source. Intellect, by, by definition, means that I am detached. I am separate from God, and I'm understanding God. I could be very tied up with God, and I could be very connected with God, but ultimately... I'm a separate entity that's trying to understand God, that's trying to yearn to get closer to God, that that feels like I'm swallowed up within my source, but still in all, I am a separate entity. I'm not inseparable from God. I'm not God. I'm an entity that understands God, understands godliness, appreciates godliness, yearns for godliness, loves godliness, doesn't want to be disconnected from godliness. is constantly contemplating and focusing and meditating and reflecting and understanding and sensing my godly source but nevertheless I am not the divine, it's the world of creation, it's the beginning of separation there's God and there's I there's a glass ceiling which you can't reach over you can't break that grass you can't break through the glass ceiling there's a divide, there's a veil There's there's a distinction between the creator and the created. The world of Berea is the created. God is the creator. There's a distinction. There's a divide which you can never cross. Versus the world of emanation, where God emanated from within Himself, that's a divine world. That's God's personality, so to speak. In that world, there is no separation. We become inseparable. So ultimately, the root and the source of these two loves ultimately come from the world of emanation. Because they're divine loves. We're all born with it. It's innate, inherent to every Jew, because we have a divine soul, a divine spark. And therefore we have an innate connection to God, an inseparable connection with God. So ultimately the root and source of these two loves ultimately are rooted in the world of emanation. A world where there's no separation. Where we're absolutely one with God. So ultimately, the mitzvah that we do, when we are motivated to do the mitzvah by our love for God because of this parent-child relationship, because God is my soul and God is my life, and godliness permeates every aspect of my life, ultimately, this elevates the mitzvah ultimately to the world of emanation, to much higher. Because that's the root and source of these two loves. But on a revealed level, the only way to reveal these loves is through intellect, through comprehension. And therefore, on a revealed level, the energy that, behind these mitzvahs that are motivating me to do the mitzvah elevate the mitzvah to the world of creation. So the question is, since these two loves are rooted in the world of emanation, they're divine loves, they come from above, they're gifts from Hashem, and all Jews have them equally because we have a divine soul. Then why is it so important for us to develop a love based on intellect? It should suffice to have this love, these two loves, which are have the best of both worlds. On one hand... They're divine. They're a gift from Hashem. We inherit this love due to no fault of our own. Just because we were born Jewish. We inherit these two loves. They come from above. We didn't do anything to earn it or to deserve it. We're just born and we have it. On the other hand, we also have the advantage of using our intellect. Because we need our intellect to awaken these loves. We should feel these loves. These loves should be active in our lives. Otherwise, we can go through our entire lives. Every Jew has it, but you can go through your entire life and these loves are inactive. These loves are dormant. There is no impact on you and no effect on you and zero effect on you. It's like a hidden treasure. What good does it do you if it's hidden and you walk around in tatters, homeless and starving, starving to death? It doesn't do you any good. You have these treasures, you're a billionaire, a trillionaire, but you can't access a single dollar, because you have no way of accessing it. So you need the intellect in order to awaken this love, that this love should be active in your life, should have an impact in your life. To tap into this treasure. But once I use my intellect, then I have the best of both worlds. I have the intellect, and I have this innate divine gift, the love that comes from above. And yet, nevertheless, Al-Tarebbe says it's important for a Jew also to develop the love that we learned earlier. avat Olam. A love that comes from the world, that comes from the bottom up, that comes from the intellect. A love that's born on on human intellect. A love that's born from our understanding, from our grasp, seeing, understanding the greatness of the world and how infinitely complex the world is and the variety of the world, the multiplicity of the world, and, yet, and from there, realizing how great Hashem is. Hashem could create such a, such a huge world, how great Hashem is. And, and this is a love that comes strictly from the bottom up, comes from within us. It's not a gift from above. It's using our human intellect, human comprehension, and contemplating the greatness of the, of the world, understanding the greatness of Hashem from understanding the greatness of the world. It's called Avatullah, a love that comes from the world, from the bottom up, from within us, from looking at the world around us. What's the advantage? Why is it important to develop this type of love? A love that the human being develops on his own, through his own efforts, through his own um, understanding and reasoning. Why isn't it enough just to coast along on this energy that we are, this gift that God gave us? This inheritance that each and every one of us inherited. Why Why do I have to engage the mind? Why do I have to develop this intellectual love? It's enough that I have this natural love for God because I'm a Jew and I feel that God is my life and, and godliness permeates every aspect of my life and I feel that God is my parent and I have a parent-child relationship with God. And that's enough energy to carry me for, for the rest of my life. Why do I need... To develop, Why is it critical for me to develop, engage the mind and use the mind, understand Hashem, see Hashem from within the world, see Hashem from from, from the oil. Why is that critical? That's the Alter Rebbe is going to explain. Explain now.
0: The Alter Rebbe now goes on to say that the two kinds of love, my soul and like a son, not only have the quality of love that results from contemplation, But they also have the quality of Ahava Rava, the love that is granted from above. For they too are granted from above. And as much as Jews inherit them from the patriarchs, as explained earlier. Since these these two kinds of love possess all these qualities, it would seem that they should suffice. And love born wholly of intellect is superfluous. Nonetheless, the Altar Rebbe concludes that a Jew should also strive to attain the love that results wholly from contemplating God's greatness because of the reasons he will soon give. Furthermore, these two categories of love that have been referred to above, the love of my soul and the love of like a son, incorporate a quality of love which is greater and more sublime than intelligent fear and love, the kind that results from contemplating God's greatness, the love termed above, Ahavat Olam. These two kinds of love also partake of the quality of Ahavat Rabba, which is loftier than Ahavat Olam. The Rebbe Shlita explains that Ahavat Rabba is rooted in Atzilut which is far superior to Bria, where Ahavat Ulam is rooted. The Rebbe alludes to this by saying, furthermore, that is, these loves not only have the qualities of natural love and intellectual love found in the world of Yitzira and Bria, respectively, but they also have the quality of love of Rabba found in the world of Atzilus this tremendous quality notwithstanding, the Altar Rebbe concludes that it is necessary to achieve the love brought about wholly through contemplation, for this love is unique in its passion and yearning for godliness. Nonetheless, a person must strain his intellect to apprehend and attain also the above-mentioned level of Ahavat Olam which stems from an understanding and knowledge of the greatness of God. As such, it differs from the loves of my soul and like a sun, which essentially are inherited and are only revealed through contemplation. In order to fan the blaze of the fiery love with glowing coals and an intense fire and flame that rises heavenward, so that not even many waters, which are enemies of the love, can extinguish it, nor rivers quench it. Love created purely as a result of contemplation is more passionate and fiery than love which is essentially inherited, even when the inherited love is revealed through contemplation.
1: There are two types of loves. There is a love of water compared to water, and there's a love of fire. And that's like the difference between um, a brother-sister relationship, siblings. That's an unconditional love. Familiar relationship is unconditional. It's infinite. But it's calm. No surprises. You can have a steady love for your entire life. It doesn't have to be ups and downs and peaks and valleys. It's like water. Water flows very calmly, very smoothly. Because that love is something you know in the back, in the background. You know it's always there. It's 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 unlimited. It's boundless. It's an unconditional love between family members. Because we're all connected. We're all our souls are connected. It's unconditional. And that can stay steady. It's a steady love, a calm calm love that remains. Steadfast for the entire of your entire life. Then you have husband-wife relationship. That's fire, because it's two strangers coming together, two opposites, male and female, two strangers, and that dynamic remains throughout the marriage. They remain strangers. There's ups and there's downs. They don't become like brother and sister. It's not a marriage. It, there's ups and there's downs. There's a distance like the, womb, the moon. The moon waxes and it wanes. Half a month the husband and wife are together and half a month the Torah says you're separate. Everyone has their own private space. And then, and then half a month there's a reunion. And they come together. There's that, that dynamic. There's, there's a novelty there. That's why it's fire. That's why It's exciting. Brother and sister is not exciting. It just is. It's not nothing exciting. It is. There's a relationship. We're brothers and we're sisters and we love each other unconditionally and we're always there for each other. When push comes to shove, we're there. And that's what it is. It is what it is. There's not, nothing novel. There's nothing exciting. There's no friction. There's no thrill. It's calm. It's very deep, very profound, limitless, unconditional. It's calm. But then you have a love where you have two opposites, two strangers coming together, there's a thrill, there's a novelty, there's an excitement. There's a passion. that's lacking in the other one. And that's why it's also creative. It's out of this love, husband and wife, that you have children, there's a, you, you're creative. Precisely because of the novelty and because of the friction and the coming together, and therefore there's an excitement. There's a passion, there's a fire, flame. So, too, with our love to Hashem. Yes, every Jew has a natural relationship to God, like a parent child relationship. It's infinite, it's boundless, it's limitless, it's, it's there, it's, you're aware of it or not, you like it or not. It is, it's a fact. It's steady, it's calm, unchanging, and it's infinite. And that comes from the world of emanation. It's divine, it's a gift from above, it's inherent, it's innate inherent innate but nevertheless it's like water it's calm it doesn't have that thrill it doesn't have that excitement it doesn't have that passion that fiery love and therefore it doesn't affect your animal soul your ego it affects your godly soul your godly soul has this relationship with God God is my parent Parent parent-child relationship who is your parent? Your godly soul has this relationship with the god. Your ego doesn't feel that God is my parent. The ego feels I have more connection to the ice cream than I do to <laughs> my connection to God. <laughs> what god is my parent? Give me a nice, delicious ice cream. But the, the, the godly soul, God is my parent. Give me a little Torah. Give me a little uh, a mitzvah. Give me an act of goodness and kindness. This is, this is my life. This is God is my, my parent. This is a parent-child relationship. It only affects your godly soul. It's infinite, it's limitless, it's divine, it's from above. It's, we're all equal, we all inherit it equally. But it's very calm, it's steady. It only affects the godly soul. And even that God is my life, so every, it permeates every aspect of my life. But still, that m- affects more my godly soul. My godly soul senses that God is my life. Just like the body has a soul, the soul also has a soul. What's the soul of the soul? The divine that's my life. That's the source of life. There is nothing else. It's not religion. It's not compartmentalized. God is everything. Again, this is more something that relates to the godly soul. The animal soul doesn't get excited about these things. doesn't relate to these things. It's only the, the, intel, the love that's based on intellect. When you understand the greatness of God. When you think about the greatness of God, when you look at this world and your mind is blown away, you see how infinitely complex the world is, how multiple the world is. And you see that God created this entire world and you start to comprehend and appreciate the greatness of God and you develop a love for God, a yearning for God and a love for God and you develop it from the bottom up Using your human intellect, your very human intellect, and using your human nature, and looking at nature around you, and looking at the world around you, and the multiple worlds, and multiple realities, and realizing the greatness of God, and therefore your heart starts leaping out. You see the greatness of God. I want to connect. God is so great. I want to connect with God. I want to have a connection with God, and I want to be attached to God. This is a fiery type of love. This is a novelty. This is using your human nature and your human intellect to understand the greatness of God. And therefore, it, it evokes a fiery, passionate love. It's like, it's like a husband and wife, like a man and a woman coming together. It's, it's, it's a, there's a powerful attraction. It's a fiery, passionate type of love. This is a love that grabs your animal, your ego soul. It's thrilling. It's exciting. It's novel. It's not natural. The very fact that it's not natural, that naturally we're separate, and naturally that we're... There's God and there's us. There's the divine and then there's the human and the nature and human intellect. And when the human intellect try, understands and comprehends godliness and gets excited about godliness, there's, there's something novel here. There's something creative. It's, it's thrilling. Because of the separation, therefore when they come together, it's fiery. Just like husband and wife. This love will have a much bigger impact on your human personality and character so it's like fire fire burns fire, something has to consume something has to give fire will change you fire will transform you fire will impact you and affect you so it's only this love that can really affect you your personality, your character your your real down to earth human self otherwise it only affects your godly soul so you can put your animal soul to sleep maybe it will get out of the way but it won't be affected it won't get excited your animal soul will not get excited ideal for a Jew is you have to love Hashem not only with your Godly soul you want to you love Hashem with both of your hearts you want also the animal soul to love Hashem your ego to love Hashem to get excited about God. the only way to do this is to have this consuming love this passionate love this fiery love this thrill and godliness should give you the thrill and should excite you. The only way to do this is by contemplating on the greatness of God, the infinite greatness of God. And realizing from the world, looking from the world, using your intellect, using your natural abilities, and seeing the world and realizing the greatness of God, coming to the realization of God's infinite greatness. And that causes a tremendous yearning and a fiery love towards Hashem.
0: A love says theory as a result of contemplation is more passionate and inspiring and loving inherited. Even inherited love is
1: contemplation. So yes, it's true. The inherited love has the advantage of contemplation. But nevertheless, it's still an inherited love. It's a it's a, it's a love because it's a parent-child relationship, but that only affects your godly soul. So ultimately it doesn't really reach the real you, the human you, the down-to-earth you, the earthy you. It doesn't really touch it. So you can pretend, you can put it to sleep, you can ignore it, but but you're not really. It's not really transforming you. It's not really changing you. It's not is a marriage.
0: Not fleeting though?
1: It's not a marriage. What? No, it's not fleeting. Parent-child relationship is not fleeting. It's like water. The
0: husband-wife.
1: Oh, it's not fleeting. It's on the contrary. A real love, a real husband-wife relationship, a real love. The more you satisfy that love, it's like pouring kerosene on the flame it only grows and deepens and it doesn't, it, does, it's not like, uh, it doesn't quench it that's what he says water can never quench it the more you, the more you satisfy it it only grows, it, grows, it only grows even deeper so it's that type of love which the more you satisfy the more Torah you do the more with you do it only inflames it it only inflames it and it grows deeper there's
0: a superior and excellence and the quality of love burning up fiery coals and intense flame which comes from understanding the quality of the greatness and transcendence and the blessing and so
1: because it's possible it is possible that the two loves above should also have that quality should be like fire it should also be like fiery coals when you realize that when you realize that God is my father not that you feel close to God you realize how transcendent God is. Um, God is the source of our life. So you realize how infinite, how transcendent God is. He's the source of all life and therefore also it leads to a profound yearning and a fiery love for God. But ordinarily, these two loves really bring a person to feel close to God. You feel comfortable. You feel close to God. God is my father. I feel like a child sitting in front of my parent. I feel comfortable, I feel loved. So instead, of, it's, it's a calming effect. It has a soothing effect, a calming effect. It's like water. It's calming, it's soothing, it's, it's, it's you know, that's, that's the effect it has on you. And it's, it doesn't have a fiery, it doesn't evoke a fiery love. Versus when you understand, or even when you understand, God is my life. It's a soothing effect, a calming effect. But when you understand the greatness of God, that inflames you. That causes you to that causes you to be on fire with a yearning. A yearning that can that cannot be quenched. And that leads you that leads you to desire, you want to learn Torah and you want to do mitzvah. Not only you want to do Torah mitzvah, your animal soul wants to learn Torah, your your ego wants to learn Torah, your your fleshy human self is yearning for godliness. You want to become close to God and you want to... It's all consuming. You're consumed by this passionate, fiery love for God. It consumes you. It it, it engages every part of you. And it affects you and impacts you in a very real way. It transforms you and changes you. So the love of God, that's water, that calming, soothing love, it doesn't really get into your personality, into your character. It just has a... A general effect on your general personality—that you want to learn Torah, you want to do mitzvot—but it doesn't really get into the real you. It doesn't really affect you in a very specific way, in a very individual way, in a very real way. But this fiery love is all-consuming. It, it affects every part of you, and it causes you to change. And it causes you—it changes and transforms your personality, your character, every aspect, of it, every part of you. Becomes transformed as a result of this love. So that's why it's, inherent, it's imperative that every Jew develop this type of love.
4: Similar to the superiority and excellence of gold over silver and so forth, as will be explained later. Not
1: so silver usually refers to love. The silver comes from the word in Hebrew, I yearn, I love. But there is an advantage of gold over silver, even though silver is a currency is much more used as currency. But nevertheless, there's an advantage of gold over silver. Okay, he explains not only.
4: Not only is gold worth more than silver, ounce for ounce, in which in which case a preponderance of silver would be more valuable, but gold is in. Intrinsically of greater value in that it possesses a distinctive gleam, which people find highly attractive.
1: Right. If you bought your wife, you had a choice, you gave your wife a choice of a gold ring or the equivalent value of silver, I'll give you, I'll give you a bag of silver. <laughs> it's, it's not just the value. Gold is exciting. Silver is not so exciting. Gold is something exciting about gold. So too, the, the gold that represents that love, that love of husband and wife, it's much more exciting. It's an exciting love. Okay, so too.
4: So too, with regard to love, it results fully from contemplation. It is not a higher level of love. On the contrary, a level of love that comes from above and is termed ahabat baba, great love, is the higher form of love the superiority of love that results entirely from contemplation lies in its fiery passion and yearning of the soul. This is one reason why the two previously mentioned kinds of love that Jews inherit do not suffice. They lack passion when compared to the love emanating entirely from one's intellect. The Alter Rebbe now provides yet another reason why holy contemplative love is necessary, it is important to attain contemplated love not only because of the superiority of the resulting passion, but because the contemplation is an end unto itself. By contemplating God's greatness, one fulfills the whole purpose of creation, that created beings should come to know and understand God's greatness. Besides, this is the whole man and his raison d'etre that one may know the glory of God and the majestic splendor of His greatness, each according to the limit of His capacity, as is written in Raya Mehemana, parashabo, in order that they may know Him, and so forth, as is known.
1: He says, this is the whole purpose. The Zohar says the whole purpose of creation. Why did God create the world? Because he wanted man to know God. He wanted us to know Him. To be aware of Him. To comprehend Him. To know Him. To understand Him. And the knowledge that you need in order to develop a love based on human contemplation is a much deeper knowledge than the knowledge that you need in order to awaken the natural love that every Jew has to God. Yes, you also need your intellect to awaken that love, to be aware of that love. But you don't need such a deep contemplation. Even a more superficial understanding is enough to awaken that inherent love. because it's there. You just have to light a match. You don't need a torch. A little match is enough. The dynamite is there. Everyone is plugged in. Everyone is connected. You just need to light that spark and then the fire has a life of its own. So you don't need such a deep understanding, a profound understanding. But the love, in order to develop a love based on pure contemplation, you need a very profound understanding. You really have to engage your mind. And that's the purpose of creation. That's what God wanted. God wanted us to know Him, to think about Him, to be aware of Him, to understand Him. And that's an end in itself. And we find in Judaism, we have... You need both of these things. On one hand, we're Jewish because we inherit it. It's tradition. We stood at Sinai. We witnessed the miracles of the Exodus. We witnessed the splitting of the sea. It's a revelation from above. But on the other hand, how did it all start? It started with Abraham. Abraham recognized God on his own, and there's an interesting, uh, there's a discussion. Maimonides discusses the laws of idolatry right in the beginning of Maimonides, it was magnum opus, and there's a discuss- He discusses Abraham, he discusses how the whole world came to be idolatrous, and. How Avraham at the age of 40 recognized God. The Ivet argues, And he says, No, at the age of three. Like it says, Ekev avram Because Avram listened to my voice. Ekev is a numerical value of 172. Avram passed away. How old was he when he passed away? 175. So, how many years did Avram listen to my voice? Akev, 172 years. Akev, Ashisham, Avram, For 172 years, Avram listened to my voice. The first three years of his life, he was an idolater. At the age of three, he recognized God. The Ramba, Maimonides, however, writes no. He recognized God at the age of 40. What's the argument? The argument here is what is primary? Is it primary, if Abraham, to recognize God at the age of three? It's more of a soul thing. It's not so much a person who's three years old, doesn't exactly have a full comprehension of things. He's only three years old, even if you're Abraham. And therefore, it's more of a soul thing. It was like a, a, a revelation that Abraham had the capacity, a divine capacity at the age of three to recognize God. Maimonides says no. He recognized God at the age of forty, because forty. It's a, the Mishnah says when When you reach forty, your mind, your mind, your intellectual mind is fully developed. Only at the age of forty is your intellectual mind fully developed. Therefore, that's where the question: if a rabbi could be a rabbi before forty, because your, your mind is not fully developed. So, if Avram recognized God using his mind, according to Maimonides, the emphasis here, what's impressive about Avram is that he, using his mind, he had no tradition, no revelation, no tradition. His mind, using his human intellect, he came to the realization the whole world was idolatrous, everyone was pagan. And yet he figured it out. He used his mind and came to the realization of the greatness of God. And therefore, he became Avram Oyavi. God calls Abraham my lover. Because he developed such a powerful love for Hashem based on that intellect. So therefore, even though, although we have this innate love for God that we inherit, just because we're Jewish, and our souls all stood at Sinai, and God imprinted in us, etched into our being, carved into our being, not only into the stone, but carved into our being, I am God, your God, and each and every one of us has this innate feeling towards God, that God is my parent, and that God is my life. But nevertheless, it's not enough. A Jew also has to follow the footsteps of Abraham. You have to develop your own understanding of God. Tradition is not enough. Faith is not enough. It's not enough to rely on your faith. It's not enough to rely on that firepower that we're all born with, that we're all equipped with, you have to, like Abraham, we didn't have that tradition. He came to the realization of God at the age of 40, he recognized God. He came to the realization using his mind, using his human mind, his human intellect. So too, every one of us has to be like Abraham. As if we're the first Jew. You can't rely on tradition. You have to develop your own mind. You have to develop your own relationship with God. You have to develop your own comprehension and understanding of the greatness of God. Just looking at this world and understanding the world and engaging your mind in a very deep and a very profound way. Realizing and coming to the realization of the greatness of God, seeing the hand of God in everything and seeing the greatness of God, how He creates such an infinitely complex and multiple universe, such a complex universe, realize the greatness of Hashem. Because it's only, it's only when you have both of these loves You have the love that's compared to water. It's calm. It's unlimited. It's infinite. But it's calm. It's not enough. It's divine, but it's not enough. Because if we only had a godly soul, it would be enough. But we don't only have a godly soul. We're human. And we have an animal soul. We have an ego soul. We're very much fleshy and earthy and down to earth. And and, uh, we're pulled in a different direction. And therefore, we need that fiery love. And the only way to gain that fiery love is by using your mind. Using your human intellect to its maximum capacity. In a very deep way, in a very mature way, in a very profound way. And building an emotion based on that understanding. A fiery emotion. A thrilling emotion. An exciting emotion. Where you come to to God it's unnatural it's not a natural thing it's unnatural and you come to God because it's a novelty that you discover with a a, a thrill the greatness of God and how how much you love God and how much you want to be connected with God and it's that fiery love that passionate love that that marries you to God and it's that all-consuming love that affects you in the most profound, in the most down-to-earth, in the most real way. And we'll transform you. That even your animal soul will also yearn for godliness and want to study Torah and want to do mitzvahs.
4: There is a special quality and purpose in contemplation that leads to love love itself. Contemplation of God's greatness is exercised to a much greater degree in the love that is created from contemplation than it is found in the love which is merely revealed through contemplation as in the case in the two aforementioned kinds of love. In order to merely reveal the love of my soul, by contemplation, how God is the true source of life, or to reveal the love of, like a son, by contemplating how God is our true Father, one's meditation needs not be exceedingly profound. A much deeper understanding and more profound mode of meditation is necessary in order to create a love of God based solely on intellectual comprehension. As a result, the divine intention that they may know Him, that created beings come to know Godliness, is realized to a much greater extent through holy contemplative love. This is the additional reason as to why the kind of love inherited from the patriarchs do not suffice, and it is necessary to exert oneself to attain a love of God that stems entirely from contemplating His greatness.
1: So you can't just rely on this natural love. You know, it says marriage, you have to break away from your family and get married. Because marriage is a very individual thing, very personal, very private thing. It's you and your spouse. And that's where you break away from your family and you create your own family. It's a very individual, private thing. So there's one, on one hand your family, you belong to a family, you're, you're connected to a huge family. That's very nice, but you can't stop there. You have to create your own path in life. You have to create your own way in life. You have to create your own family. You have to find your personal, your individual that individual that's going to, your soulmate that's going to, um, you know, that's very, that, that's a very personal quest, a very individual quest. No one can help you with that. It's you. It's your life. It's you, you, you are going to create something. So to every Jew has to create something. It's not enough just to, I'm, I'm a Jew and I belong to the Jewish people. And I play it safe. You know, God is my father and when I have this relationship and I inherit it and it's beautiful and I can live off my inheritance. Yeah, I'm a billionaire. I can live off the rest of my life. I can live off my inheritance. No, no, no. You have to create your own fortune. You have to create your own path. You have to get married. You have to develop your own personal relationship with God. Don't rely on your parents. Don't rely on your family. Don't rely on anyone. It's you. Why does God excite you? You have to use your mind in a very profound way, in a very mature way, in a very deep way and create that personal, individual relationship with God. This goes back to the beginning of the Tanya. Every Jew has to find his own personal path to God, his own individual path to God, his unique path to God. Because when it comes to intellect, like we learned in the beginning of the chapter, no two Jews are alike. Two Jews, three opinions. We think differently, we process information differently. It's unique. It's unique that's what makes us unique and it's thrilling when, when it engages that part within us that, per, that part of our personality our unique individual personality and we develop our own path to God our own gateway to God our own path to God that's when we're married to God that's the ultimate creative act that's the ultimate out of that um, potential friction and then instead of friction coming together and coming closer to God that's creative that's dynamic that's filled with energy that's filled with life and that transforms you and changes you and that's critical that's a must every Jew has to develop this path So what Chabad Chabad is you have to use your wisdom understanding and knowledge you have to engage your mind every Jew, godliness has to engage you in a very personal quest in a very private way in a very intimate way in a very individual way in a very personal way you can't just hide behind the Jewish people I'm a Jew, I'm like everyone else I'll just get lost in the crowd and you can coast along, and it's infinite energy, and it's unboundless and unlimited, and it's all beautiful. But it's, it's, it's a kappa. You can't just do that. God wants your individuality, and your personality, and your character. Your avat olami. he you wants your own path to God, your own gateway to God, your uniqueness. There never was a Jew like you, there never will be. It has to engage your mind. Why are you on fire? Why are you thrilled about being Jewish? All my parents did it, my grandparents, my whole community is doing it, all my friends are doing it. It's wonderful, I'm comfortable, it's fine. No. You have to be thrilled. Not only you, the real you. You, your ego, your personality, your individuality, your character, the real you, the real human you. Why are you excited about being Jewish? Are you excited? About it? Are you excited about doing the mitzvah? Are you excited about your relationship with God? that could only come from using your human mind and coming to the realization of the, the greatness of God and yearning for God and having that gold that fiery passionate and god uh, connection with God you know unless
0: there there's a strong commitment never to give up the relationship or something like that i mean it's nice to say uh, you know you're excited and all of that but isn't there also, you know, you say that it's all-consuming, you know, I think you were hinting at that. You know, Maybe you can speak about that a little more, you know, that, that uh, in order for this to work, you know, the two people have to be really committed to one another, yeah, exactly. you know, through the ups and downs. Right? Otherwise, the passion just f- is fleeting, and you give up.
1: Well, that, yeah. we, lear- that we learned earlier in Chapter 41 the foundation in marriage and the foundation of life has to be respect. That's not subject to ups and downs. Love is subject to ups and downs. It waxes and it wanes. But uh, marriage, in order for marriage to last, the foundation of marriage, its rock of Gibraltar has to be, its cornerstone, its underpinning has to be respect. And that's something that never changes. But, that alone is not enough. That's a foundation. But on top of the foundation, you need a you need a,
0: you need this yearning, you need a building. This yearning, which is continuous. Right? Like you were saying, do mitzvahs and Torah. Right. If you're constantly doing it all the time. If you have that respect, that, and if
1: you have that dedication and that commitment, then the mitzvah that you, right, then the yearning, you created a vessel, a context, then the mitzvah will only, right, then it'll, it'll just be pouring kerosene on the flame, and then marriage only grows deeper with time. Uh,
0: in other words, uh, to do the mitzvah you're saying that uh, there's a, there's a nefesh within the mitzvah. Right? In other words, the mitzvah is a physical thing, but really to energize it and enliven it you need it like a nefesh within the mitzvah. That,
1: that's up to you, right? If you do if you do an act and you do it cold bloodedly, mechanically, then it has no nefesh. But if you do the mitzvah with love, what motivates you to do the mitzvah is because you're thinking about Hashem. Most people do mitzvah, they're not even thinking about Hashem. They're just doing the mitzvah by rote, mechanically. But if you do the mitzvah, and what motivates you is this fiery love you have to Hashem, then the action is a fiery action. It's a passionate action. There's energy to that action. It's like when you speak. You speak about something you care about, it's alive. Versus if you, you're just reading through, then It's dead. You're sleeping and everyone around you is also sleeping. Or it's the, the words are on fire. You'll never forget those words. It depends on you, what energy you put into the mitzvah. Because the mitzvah is physical. Physical is, is no energy. Physical is, is, is like a stone. If you don't put energy in it, it's flat. There's no, there's no energy, there's no motion. We live in a world of energy. We, there's no movement without energy. Any movement, especially you want something to soar, to fly, you need energy. And the higher you want it to soar, you want it to be like a jet, uh, or you want it to be like, like a rocket to go, into, uh, to go into heaven. You need a very powerful energy. So the more energy you put into the mitzvah, the higher the mitzvah will soar. So then the, the mitzvah will then rise and soar to the heavens. And then it will also draw down that energy from heaven. It will draw down that blessing and that energy. So it, it's really up to us. The mitzvah is divine, but if you don't do put any energy into the mitzvah, then the mitzvah remains flat. It stays in this world, it doesn't go anywhere. That's why it says, praise is the person who, after 120 years, comes to heaven and his learning is with him. Takes his learning with him. Because many people learn, but the learning stays down here. Because it has no spirituality. There's no energy to the learning. There's no spirituality. There's no selflessness. There's no godliness. It's all ego. If, If what motivates you to learn is ego, it's very heavy. It remains very, very flat. Or like polluting energy. You have energy but it pollutes. It only creates a mess. Counterproductive. If a person is motivated by ego, you want arrogance, fame, you want to have want people to honor you, look how what a bright Torah scholar I am, look what a righteous person I am. You're not thinking about God, you're not motivated by Hashem, by your love for Hashem. You're motivated by ego. Then it's yeah, it's an energy, you are energized, you're doing the mitzvah, but it's it's a polluting energy versus clean energy. It's done with selflessness. It's done with a love for Hashem. You're thinking about Hashem when you're praying. You're thinking about Hashem when you're doing the mitzvah. You're doing the mitzvah because you love Hashem. Or you're avoiding the sin because you, you're in awe of Hashem. And God forbid you should do anything that violates His wish. That energy is, is, is a clean energy. And then the, the, it soars to heaven. The mitzvah soars to heaven. It refines you. It elevates you. It transforms you. You become Divine. Versus, if you do the mitzvah and you and the mitzvah have no connection you've done the mitzvah the act is done the deed is done you've done something divine but you and the mitzvah have no connection as the Talmud said there was a um, there was a Talmud Chacham a Torah scholar who was a very unrefined person when he died when he passed away they mourned him and they said he was like a basket filled with books a modern day analogy they would say like a disc today they have on disc I just got a a disc today, it has 7,200 books, Jewish books, one little disc, one one little, can you imagine? But what's the connection between the books and the disc? That's the connection between the books and the bookshelf, that's the connection between this rabbi and this knowledge that he has. All the Torah that he has didn't make him more refined, didn't make him a better person, Mm -hmm. on the contrary. Made him more ego, more, more egotistical, more arrogant, look how brilliant I am, look what a mind I have. I have so much knowledge, people should honor me, people should respect me. So him and the Torah are in two different places. The Torah is divine, and he is becoming less divine, more arrogant and more distant from God. God says, I despise as a person who is arrogant. So it, it, it's, there's no energy. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya
0: project. More classes available at LessonsinTanya.com.